Rainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a very proud wrestling podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. It is amazing to think that we are almost halfway through summer, and it seems like just the other day we were getting rid of the last of the snow, and here we are. It's already the first week in August. But with that being said, the hottest wrestling event of the summer is only a few short weeks away, and Of course, I'm speaking about 3D Pro's Mass Appeal. You know that I'm a part of it, um, and I'm there doing the uh, the commentating again. You'll 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 hear your boy on commentary once more. But uh, I'm more than happy to uh, share all the information about it because I want you to be a part of it. I want you to grab your tickets, come on down, and enjoy what is shaping up to be the wrestling card of the summer here in Winnipeg. The full car has already been announced. I know I've tweeted it out, uh, I've retweeted, shared the the posts, but it's going to be a fantastic card. Tickets are only twenty bucks right now, twenty five at the door. Grab them while you can. It's at the Osborne South Legion, August eighteenth. I've got a couple left. I can uh, dish them out to you, but uh, grab them now and be a part of something special. It's going to be a great card, and honestly, would love to see you down. This week on the podcast. Uh, I had a a wonderful, wonderful chat with uh, my guest, and uh, I was joined by Chris Markswell. Now, you may be familiar with him from his time as a wrestler or as former, former brackets, uh, I'll say former until PCW runs a show again, uh, hopefully soon PCW, come on, um, former PCW commissioner and referee extor- extraordinaire. You've seen him in, he's a man of many hats. And he's been able to wear all of them magnificently. So uh, Chris stops by and we have a great chat. And he he runs down his entire wrestling career from the moment he stepped foot in the ring to uh, his most recent uh, endeavors refereeing for 3D Pro. So we have a good chat. It's uh, a warning. You know, we do talk about a few things. Uh, Chris mentions a few things that uh, can be triggered to those. Um, who might uh, we get into some talk just about um, suicide things like that it's it can get a little deep so just a fair trigger warning that uh, we do talk about that but um, with that being said uh, before I jump into it um, I know that it might be tough to reach out uh, it might be tough to you know, talk or ask for help. My DMs are always open. If you're listening and you need someone to talk to, you need to reach out. Do not hesitate to send me a message. I will be there and I will respond and I'll I'll be there to help out the best I can. Uh, I'm by no means a trained professional, but I will always be there to listen. So um, just want to get that out of the way. And now let's uh, let's jump into the podcast this week on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Chris Markswell. Now I got into going to local shows a little bit later on in my life, but you have been a part of the Winnipeg wrestling scene for quite a while. A bit, yes, yes, uh, so, a little over a decade now. And what was your first uh, first foray into it? Um, so you know kind of like typically like everybody else growing up, you know, watching it on television. Uh, I was during the hype of, you know, WCW versus, you know, WWE. Uh, distinctly remember uh, the very first time I saw it on television was on, it was a Saturday afternoon at my friend's house. It was actually the debut of Macho Man Randy Savage to WCW. Okay. Um, so that was kind of like, you know, like I didn't realize how much of a big deal it was back then, but it was kind of like that first sampling of wrestling and then i started seeing you know vhs uh vhs tapes at you know the local little mom and pop shop that i would rent at and i'd get that one rental a weekend and then from there i i turned 18 and i never even knew actually about uh really about independent wrestling being in winnipeg i thought you know wrestling it was you're either at wwe or 
back then WCW or ECW or that was it, you know, in my mind. Yeah. So then I, I won't, I went down to a local bar. Um, it's changed names so many times from the, I don't even know if it was the stratosphere, the palladium or the lid, whatever it was called back then. Um, but I went in there, I saw a bouncer wearing a PCW shirt, asked him, you know, what, what the hell is that? You know? And he, he told me everything about it. Greg Roman was the first person that kind of introduced me to it, told me to show up on Wednesday to help set up the ring. And the rest has been history. You, uh, you really don't get that nowadays where it'll be like, yeah, just stop by. You'll help set up the ring. And then from there, you know, it's a lot more uh, intricate nowadays. I think he could see that I was a huge fan, but that I respected the business Mm -hmm. um, and could be a, you know, a useful person on the ring. So why not? Um, So what was your first experience like for training and getting involved? It was painful. Um, I was really scrawny growing up. I was a small child. Um, I want to say up till the age of 16, I was about 60 pounds. Um, it never hit that growth spurt. Even when I was 18, like I was barely over a hundred, I think, um, just wasn't eating a lot back then when I was younger, um, just because like I would eat till I was full and then I wasn't trying to put on size. Yeah. So running the ropes, um, you know, taking bumps was okay, but it was running the ropes. Like I would go home with just black welts across my back. Cause like I was still learning the positioning and having to put on that size. So, um, Mike Davidson, who was part of PCW back then, um, could see that I was really struggling, um, mm-hmm. as, as a trainee, um, but could really probably tell that I really wanted to do it advised for me to go into refing instead. Mm-hmm. You know, I could do it on the side while I was still, you know, trying to learn the craft. So I started that um, needed to take away a step away from, from the business for a little bit. I, I never knew about ribbing back then as much as I do now. Yeah. Uh, and I, I felt, I felt particular to a, a pretty bad rib. Um, and it kind of turned me off on, on some, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. It turned me away from the business for a bit. And I went off and did a little bit of backyarding at that time. Cause I, I was smart enough to know that cause I was mad at certain people that, well, Hey, you, you, if you backyard, that's kind of like the fuck you. Yeah. It's a part of my language. Um, so I was kind of, I would, that was my way of kind of, you know, I wanted to stick it back to him. Um, I don't want to say names because like, I just don't want to be that type of guy. Yeah, history sure. is history. Yeah. Um, but then I started going back to that bar on the weekends and Andrew Shawcross, you know, recognized me and was like, what happened to you? And I just said, you know, like, oh, I just, I need to take some, some, some time away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'd, I'd love to have you back, you know, anytime. And so then I, you know, went back into it. Um, I actually then started getting trained by Robbie Royce, Mm -hmm. um, in the ring, uh, who's a huge mentor of mine. I kind of learned a lot from a lot of people grow, um, going into the business, kind of just bouncing around. Um, a lot of the times it was also a lot of, I showed up to set up the ring. So I was the one that would, you know, get them in through the back door if they wanted to practice and me being a small guy, who's easier to practice on than (laughs) the new trainee, you know, I don't want to. You know, there have been a few times where I was the test dummy up. We want to try a new finish or I'm trying this new move. Come here, Marxwell. Let me see if I can do it to you. Yeah. And I would just always be told, you know, well, how do I land? Just take this type of bump. Okay, here we go. You know, and I just kind of, <laughs> here at. Mm-hmm. and yeah, I kind of, it started from there from going from, I went back in as a ref and then we decided that it was going to be time for me to transition from a referee into more of a character so i became a heel referee i was actually robbie royce's referee for the longest time um especially during his feud with ross skills and steve carino you know i i kind of still say i was a fair a fair referee i just took a little fewer detours during those matches Mm -hmm. you know in favor of other people but i still called it down the middle um, and then from there, we decided that it was going to be a storyline between me and Steve H. Ross, who was another referee at the time of who was going to be, you know, who's going to be the senior official. Mm-hmm. And we had a little comedy match. It was a lot of fun. It was the first time that I actually got to wrestle. Um, and it gave me kind of more of that drive of like, okay, let's, let's try. I really want to get transitioned off from being just a referee 
into just more of a prominent wrestler. Um, mm-hmm. And from there, we, um, Andrew Shellcross and me were kind of, you know, just discussing kind of more of like what kind of style I was going to be, you know, implementing. And I told him, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I grew up being bullied. Uh, I know, I know how to take a beating, mm-hmm. but I also know how to get up from that beating, you know? And so it's one of those, like, I, I'm pretty, I'm tougher than what a lot of people realize. Yeah. And so we decided that that's when we were going to introduce the um, open rules championship um, into PCW, which is kind of like, in theory, like a hardcore Mm -hmm. um, division. And what a better way to do it than kind of my, I I don't, I know it wasn't my second match. Like there are some other matches I've had in between. My memory is just kind of a little bit fuzzy of who I wrestled and when and everything like that. But my my biggest main event push first time was a uh, fans bring the weapons hardcore match against Andrew Shellcross. And so it was the very first time that not only was I in the main event, it was the very first time I became a singles champion into a division that was basically kind of, you know, my little playground for a little bit because of the fact that it was for me to establish who I was and what that division was going to be, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a lot of fun. I, I faced um, Chris Dion a few times um, who was a lot. He was, a, he was a really good hand to be in the ring with. He was very new as well. So we were both kind of learning our craft and everything. Um, but it was, it was a good, good experience to kind of learn from that. Um, and then to be able to kind of, you know, being smart in the business already, I kind of knew that, you know, like I'm not a, I'm not a state champion. I like more, I, I do believe that, you know, once somebody chases and gets the belt, the best thing for them to do is to kind of lose the belt for the next person to start chasing it. And mm-hmm. so there was a storyline that was kind of building with some actual drama that had happened that a wrestler had left and it didn't, you know, him and Andrew had a falling out, but of course, you know how it is. You have a falling out, but then you well, why did you have the falling out? Well, I didn't agree with that. Well, I I agree with that. You didn't agree with that, but we should have done, you know, business is business. And so, you know, things made up and that person, we decided that I knew that they were going to be in the crowd. And I'm like, well, if this is an open rules championship, kind of like the hardcore 24 seven title, why don't you, after I win my match, slide in, hit me with a finish, pin me one, two, three, and just raise the belt, look at Andrew and say, Hey, I know you fired me, but I'm the champion now. Yeah. You have. And so it was a way to bring back a wrestler, which was kind of like, I really enjoyed that, that storyline, even though it meant that I was going to lose the title. I never once, like, I never once thought of it as like a bad thing, you know, Mm -hmm. to kind of like, this is going to progress someone else. This is also going to progress me because now I can go do other things. Um, which was from there, we act, I was able to form my tag team partner, uh, ship with JP chaos, uh, mm-hmm. which is probably, I would say the highlight of my career, uh, being part of remarkably chaotic. I've been in a few other tag, uh, programs. Like I teamed up with, um, adorable Dave Dixon for a while. That was a lot of fun. Cause it was, it was interesting for me to try and be this serious technical, style wrestler while he was doing more of the comedy at that back then Mm -hmm. so it was a really good dynamic um but teaming up with jp chaos and being able to learn from him um because there was a lot of feuds like we were able to go up against big sesky beast uh uh oh god what were what was their name back then whatever um atm and robbie royce were calling themselves like team impact i believe is what it was back then um you know we got to have some some pretty steady you know actual you know good chances in the ring to kind of for me to to learn from there Mm -hmm. um and then unfortunately from from there kind of you know those were all like what i consider the lid days yeah um and then we we had to change venues because of the fact that the owner of the bar decided that you know we're gonna he was gonna progress into a different form of business and that the bar was not in that vision um, so, you know, we had to change homes, which it happens, you know, you life moves on it. Do I wish that we could all ever go back to that venue? Absolutely. But I don't think it would be the same um, just because it just the way that it's changed as well as the crowd. I don't think it would, 
you know, even for the even for the boys, just even going in the back, the the smell of it wouldn't be the same. So I don't yeah, I don't yeah. think going back there is you know the best thing for um, for that company anymore. Um, but yeah, and then we went to we moved to Dylan O'Connor's, um, and that's where you know I kind of we transitioned me back into a single star, and I started facing a um, a young and up and comer by the name of Scott Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually the very first time where I was kind of pulled off to the side and, you know, was taught the roles, you know, more of the roles of wrestling of not just, you know, there's a punching bag out there that, you know, the reason why I'm the chosen, I, I've been chosen to kind of feud against him is that, you know, he's new, you're gonna, you're gonna make him look good. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna put up a good fight against him, but, you know, let's, let's, let's show what he's more capable of. Because yeah. of the fact that he's coming, he, I think he came from uh, Lance Storm's Academy um, out in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came in with um, Jackie Lee. And now it's also the same time that we, um, that the London started, um, I believe, coming to PCW. And just we started getting this young crop of new talent. Jay Walker, um, I believe, was still a referee at the time, but slowly transitioning to becoming a wrestler as well. So to kind of being being kind of considered almost like, like a gate guard to one of them was, was an honor to me. Like, you know, like, Hey, you have to go, like, you want to go up against the likes of, you know, Adam Knight, Robbie Royce, ATM, Kenny Omega. Well, you got to go through me first, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we've, we had some pretty, some pretty bad matches, not like, <laughs> not a bad, like, you know, they, they stunk up the joint, just looking back on it. Some of the decisions I've made, like my knee still kills me from this day. Um, cause he just, I told him, I'm like, I I'm going to come in, you know, I don't want you to hold back. And he didn't hold back on a few chair shots and my knee is now just, yeah, it kills me to this day to mm-hmm. some days of that. Um, but it's worth it, you know, just because of the fact that I got to see that, you know, he carried the Canadian division and then he went off. Um, unfortunately I, I had moved away, so I didn't really get to see him. I would say in his prime of PCW, uh, but it was nice to kind of be in that first start. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately from there, a lot of, a lot of bad injuries started happening. Um, I took the dive to the floor and ended up, uh, pinching a nerve in my neck, okay. uh, giving me uh, some, a little bit of time off, uh, a little longer than what I had ever experienced in before. Like I've had a stinger, which, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, it was about a month, but you know, that's a month I've, I've, I've separated a shoulder at school before, you know, yeah. like that's, that's roughly the same time. This one, I think it was about a two to three month kind of time away, um, which, you know, it was weird for me. Uh, but now coming from, like, as you said, you saw me as a commissioner and the reason why I became a commissioner was because I, unfortunately, I went, I moved away to Saskatchewan to kind of just kind of refine myself in life. It's in a bad rut just in my personal life. I was not working, I was not working well. I had stopped going to the gym. I was doing doing some, I'll be honest, some heavy drugs, a lot of drinking. There was a lot of self-hate, a lot of dark thoughts at that time. And I just knew that I needed to get away. And it was actually the best thing for me was going into like I know a lot of people especially in, you know, Winnipeg, Manitoba are anti-Saskatchewan, but I'm, I'm born, I'm born from Saskatchewan. That's kind of my home. So going back there and I just remember just being in the middle of just some random farmer's field, looking up at the stars and just hitting that epiphany of that, you know, I can't control everything. And every day, you know, you're going to, you're going to be thrown a curveball, and you're, you've come through every single other curveball in your life. What's what's stopping now. And so I kind of hit that epiphany and got back to the, to the bright side of life and came back to Winnipeg, uh, was really excited, got to, got to actually get back in the ring with a good buddy of mine by the name of Moses Luke. Um, I knew, you know, first match back, he's gonna, it's going to be fun. We're going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to beat the shit out of me, but that's kind (laughs) of what I need right now. You know, I want to feel, I need to feel that I can do this again. And unfortunately I took a bad, I took a bad bump off a stalling suplex. I know I came down on my side, um, but he went to pick me back up and I couldn't put any weight down on my left leg. And I told him that I'm like, I'm like, he threw me up on his shoulder and he's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I can't, 
Like I can't, like, I don't think I can walk right now. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's. And he just like, literally just like kind of put me down, put his foot on my chest. Like, I'm not even going to lift up your leg to pin you. Like, we're just going to do the cocky one, two, three. And he just, he finished it right then and there. Um, I was actually had just started my relationship with my current, my current relationship, my wife right now. Um, she didn't know a lot about the business back then. So me getting hurt was, she didn't know if it was real or not. And had Josh, Josh hammer, our, our ring announcer went up and told her that, you know, like he, I'd taken a bad fall, you know, I'm back there. I'm, I'm pretty banged up, but you know, she might need to kind of take me to the hospital. She didn't know that not, okay, wait for him to come out. Like he's grabbing his stuff, let him come out. She came back there so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so funny to see the look on her face. Cause she didn't think that all, like she just saw the guys like looking at her, like who the hell is this person? And I was like, no, no, she's with me. She's with me now that she knows, like she's watched dark side of the ring. And so she's like, oh, oh, like I probably scared the crap out of them. And I'm like, half of them are probably naked when you came running in there. So they're trying to <laughs> yeah. find a towel to cover up. Yeah, That's probably more of their panic look of like, what the hell, you know? Um, but she had a good laugh over that now. Um, I don't know if any of the boys have heard that story. So that might be <laughs> for them now. Um, but we went and got it um, looked at and uh, doctor thought I had, you know, banged up my back pretty bad. So, you know, here's, here's some medication, you know, to try and take the inflammation down. Uh, they recommended me, you know, some massage, some physio. So I went through that. I, in my personal life, I got an opportunity to actually get promoted to a store manager position and take over, mm-hmm. um, my own store, uh, which was always kind of like one of my other dreams in life, uh, being a being in charge of a video game store, as you can see behind me, I've got quite a little bit of a collection from, from that excursion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that involved me moving away. And unfortunately, when I moved, I had to change doctors. And when I walked into the doctor, opposed to letting the doctor kind of diagnose me, I came in with, Hey, I did this. And this is what the last doctor said. And this is what the physiotherapist has been doing. And this is what this person has been doing. And so we kind of just kept down that same, all right, well, if that's been working, let's, let's keep down that path. Then the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. we, uh, we were not really able to see family as much. So, um, we wanted to become, we, you know, come back. So I, I asked for a transfer. Um, and my boss was very accepting. Um, unfortunately I transferred to a store that closed, um, during the pandemic, just because of the way the lease was, Yeah, but it was a blessing in disguise. Cause with, you know, when, you know, they always say when a door opens, when, you know, door closes, the window opens. Yeah. So the window opening was another retail establishment who, thought it was really weird that I kept coming in and especially when I would do a lot of heavy lifting, I'd kind of be walking like this afterwards, like Mm -hmm. instead of like that, I'm off to the side. And my boss at that time just kind of took one look to me and was like, that's not right. And I'm like, oh, this is, I've been like this for about five to six years. This is how it is. Yeah. He's like, no, this is not like, he's like, I understand that you've done professional wrestling, but this is still people, people don't move like that. And I'm like, well, you know, it's fine. And he advised for me to call my doctor during this uh, fight. uh, I kind of went over a little uh, part of my career during that because of the fall PCW wanted to still use me. Um, Couldn't wrestle. We decided that's when I was going to become the commissioner. Mm -hmm. I, I could back up, you know, any, like, you know, like it's one of those, even though I wasn't clear to wrestle thank thankfully, uh, prior to all this, none of the, none of the boys ever challenged me on it. Cause if they ever did think I couldn't throw a punch legitly, I couldn't throw a punch, but I could, <laughs> I could talk like I would hurt you. Yeah. Uh, so that was one of the things was that we were going to bring me in as like more of like a commissioner enforcer role, um, which was a lot of fun um, because it gave me a new aspect of the business opposed to, you know, always focusing on my match and my opponent and any form of promo that I was going to be doing to build up to that storyline. I now have to kind of take a step back. And what is the whole show doing? Because now I have to talk about not only what's happening in what with like, if I'm doing anything with like Antonio Scorpio at that time, um, cause like, you know, I kept kind of screwing him over in a lot of matches. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, you know, I kind of, I have to explain that, but I also have to, you know, build up the next show that we're bringing in, you know, Donnie DiCaprio or Kenny Omega is going to be at. I also need to help, you know, hype up, you know, the blood feud between Steve Carino and Robbie Royce at one time, you know? And so there's, I, I have to kind of have my, my finger in all the pies of everyone's business. Instead of, you know, if you're an artist and instead of just having one little corner to paint, yeah. you have the entire sheet that I'm now learning yeah, exactly how to yeah. paint the full canvas opposed to here, I'm going to sketch it out and somebody can, you guys color it for me, yeah. you know, because I only know how to sketch. I, I don't know how to color. And so it gave me like this new found of life of like, you know, like, and it just, it sucked honestly. Like as much as I love being a commissioner, all of a sudden having all these light bulbs just turning on in my light, like, Oh my God, when I did this, I should have been doing that. When this person did this, if I could have done this, Oh my God, so much more could have been done. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like, damn, like I want to get, like, I miss being in the ring, mm-hmm. you know? So of course, you know, like when my work was like, you know, like, there's something wrong with you. I kind of jumped upon it to, you know, like, yeah, let's call my doctor because, you know, like I kind of want to, I want to get this back injury dealt with because like, yeah, like it's been a long time. I, I miss, I miss doing the things I used to do. So when I called my doctor and I told him, you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm not walking right. I kind of need these meds again. And he kind of went silent on the phone and I'm like, you know, it's my back injury. And he was like, Chris, your back injury should have been dealt with by now. It would have either been something that would have crippled you um, because it would have just, that's what happened over you walking on it for all this time, or you'd be just naturally healed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm not. And he's like, okay, I need you to get, get down to a hospital. Like A's like, where are you now? I'm like, I'm at work. And he's like, get to a hospital, like as fast as possible. He recommended in Winnipeg Pan Am. Cause like they have everything in the building to do those forms of scans. And he yeah. had told me as well, like, Cause it was late in the afternoon that they might be, you know, you might, you might've met the cutoff time already, you know, explain the situation, but if they can't get you in that, like it's dire that I was supposed to get in like the next morning. So luckily my wife actually got some time off work as well. They allowed her to leave. So she rushed me down there. We explained, I talked to the security guard to explain to my situation. Um, from there, I was in a wheelchair as like ASAP again, which is scaring the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very few times where I've been put in a wheelchair and it's just not had the greatest outcome. And the nurse then was like, all right, you're, we want to talk to you at least from there. She went and talked to one of the doctors who literally was leaving. Like I could see that he had already had his jacket on, like walking out the door. She caught him, explained the situation. He then was coming out and putting on back his, you know, he was getting back in doctor gear. Like, let's, yeah. okay, got to go back to work, you know? And he's like, please go wait over into this waiting room. Like I didn't even go off into like a second waiting room or even the initial one. It was pretty much wheeled right in, you know, we're going to take some scans. Um, I was put on some medication. He told me like, you know, this, this is some pretty, this is some pretty heavy medication. You should feel some, something help you. If you don't within the next 24 hours, I need you to, you know, go to ER. And so, of course, nothing helped. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, craps. And I had to now go to ER. ER, you know, like they were like, well, don't take these pills because they're, you know, like they're just going to like, no offense. They're they're not going to help you. They're just going to, they're going to numb you. You know, like yeah. we need to figure out what the root of the problem is. So they set up some scans, but me being me, I'm like, I know my family doctor. I've had him since I was like a, just a baby when I got to, to Winnipeg when I was young. Um, and he's always been there for me. So I knew I'm like, if I explained to him, like, okay, this is where the ball is. I wonder what he would say. And he advised that, you know, nothing against getting an MRI scan, but that a CT scan is going to show more mm-hmm. and that get down to this hospital. They do walk-ins on the weekends, which blew my mind that a CT scan could be a walk-in. He was like, there's, there's wide availability for them. There's nobody needing the machine right now. So you go there on Saturday and you tell them like, here's your doctor's note. So I went in there had to walk around the entire building on crutches because it was during the pandemic time and only certain entrances are open. And Mm -hmm. of course, entrances get closed by certain times and signs don't get changed. So I was was shooting mad when I walked in because of the fact that I'm like, I'm sore. I don't know what's wrong with me. I now have to take 
for the very first time in my life, a CT scan, like I'm scared, you know, like, so like now you made me walk, like it's frustrating and overwhelming all exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I got the scan and then I got, I got a call like first thing Monday morning, Dan, it was from his son. And I, again, we're, you know, we're, we're buddies, you know, he's, he, he, he's, he's shot. I like, I like doctors who shoot from the hip, you know, Hey, I've, I was playing tug of war with a branch with my friends on a fence. And then they look at me and they go, and you wonder how you fell off the backwards and cracked your head on the concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knew that was going to happen? It's like, you're, you're an, and like, they full on, you're an idiot, you know, like we're going to stitch you up, but you're dumb. You know, yeah. I like doctors who are like that. But when he called me, he was referring to me with my last name. He wasn't calling me Chris. He was calling me, you know, with my shoot last name. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is weird. And I even tried to crack a joke with them. Like, she's like, you have to come in and see doc. You have to come and see your doctor first thing in the, tomorrow morning. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know I was going to be sick. You know, ha ha ha. And he's like, this is serious. You need to, you need to, you need to speak to my father. I can't tell you what's going on. So instantly right there, you know, red flags are going off in the back of my head. I'm going, what, what's going on? Like one, I've never had a test result come back so fast. Number two, I've never had this type of experience. And then I was pulled in and I was diagnosed with a, it was the size of a golf ball. It was a tumor, a schwannoma tumor that had uh, embedded itself on my L5 nerve. And what me and my doctor had come to realize is that, you know, that two times now, Cause like I had some, you know, dark thoughts back in the day, honestly, if it wasn't for wrestling, may not, I'll, I'll, I'll going to be honest. I may not be here, you mm-hmm. know, talking to you right now. Um, that's how dark it was. Not a lot of people know this, but, uh, in this day and age, I think everybody needs to be open about what they go through with their mental health. Yeah. Um, just because you just don't know. You don't know who it can help out there. And I'm not trying to help anybody. I'm literally just saying what I have gone through and what Mm -hmm. I've dealt with. If you've gone through the same thing, I'm just, I'm hoping that I can show you that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that there is a, you know, that is, that is the bad way to go. It just ends up hurting your friends and family and it won't, I've had the epiphany that it won't give me the closure that it, that I would be expecting. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, why I'm so open about it because I just, there's so many, so many people that we've lost at a young age that just, to me, it's enough. And if this can help, I want to help. Um, but besides that, that this tumor, uh, to, to put it lightly, a schwannoma t- tumor is usually found in the upper body. So the fact that mine was in my lower body, my doctor realized that it was probably floating around inside mm-hmm. of me. It had not had latched onto anything. So of course, the longer it's in there, the bigger it's going to get, the more problematic it's going to get. So the fact that me getting that slam, he's thinking that it jammed right onto the nerve, yeah. which then gave us the whole misdiagnosis, you know, like, Hey, we thought it was a back injury. Well, no, it was this weird anomaly that we never knew about. So, um, you know, he, he helped me get through all like the nerve tests, the buy, like getting a, getting a biopsy on it, which still to this date, I have nightmares over. I have never felt so much pain in my life. Um, just because of they, they had to scan me, but I couldn't be put under because of the fact that just, I had to be responsive, I believe, as well as they couldn't. I couldn't move because they have to literally stick a needle inside me to take a sample. The more I moved, then they got to realign me. So, but just the sound of like a clicking pen still kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies because mm-hmm. that's the sound of the test being done. But just the click when it hit my nerve, it sent like lightning through my body, which to them was at least a good sign that yes, you've had this tumor on your nerve for like, you know, five to six years, but the fact that you felt it from like, you know, from the top of the L5 nerve all the way to the bottom means that it's still very, to them, it was very responsive. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it sucked. You know, I was crying. I was reaching out, you know, you know, some people, you know, there, thankfully there, there were some nurses there that could get me through it type thing. But I just, it was very, very shocking on how much, 
your nerves can really affect your body. Um, and then, yeah. And then we, we went from needing it to be removed to it being in a situation where it looked like it couldn't be removed. So I was going to have to potentially live like this with the rest for the rest of my life. So I act like I full on asked my doctor, I'm like, you know, will I ever be able to wrestle again? And he's like, he kind of joked. He's like, could you ever really wrestle before? And we kind of laughed, you yeah. know, ha ha ha, you know? And I'm like, but seriously, and he's like, I would put you at about a 20, you'd be able to do about 20% of what you've done. So to me, I'm like, no offense. Like I at least need, like, if I'm in a tag match, can I, at least, like, I, I got at least to be at 50% to pull my weight, you know, because mm -hmm. then the other person could just do 50%. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I kind of, you know, took it upon myself that I think this was going to be, be it, you know, like I'm never going to have that dream of getting back in the ring again, unfortunately, uh, repping nor wrestling. But then all of a sudden I started, I got, um, I went through cancer care and they, thankfully the tumor was benign. So they're like, okay, it's, you don't got to go through radiation. So that's a plus. And then, uh, one of the most beneficial things is that the one surgeon that first saw me told me that, yeah, where it is, it's kind of in a, it's in a bad spot. Like we can't, we can't get through to it at your back without like, it could really cause some damage. Like, you know, like it's one of those, we could cause more damage trying to fix you than fixing you. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's not an option. Like even in my head, well, that's not an option. Like no offense. I want it to be easy peasy lemon squeezy. Yeah. So they actually presented whenever that type of thing happens, um, they actually present to the entire board of surgeons and kind of like, it's almost like in school, like, Hey, I need some help over here. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is what I think. Um, and luckily one of the surgeons actually full on, like I we've died, we've called him Dr. House. Um, cause just, he reminds us of that character. You know, my, like my joke is that he was off in the corner in the shadow, smoking a cigarette and just kind of <laughs> came out was like, I can get that tumor out like that. You know, it's yeah. just a Tuesday for me. Um, so hearing that was really like inspiring. And so, um, I actually had the surgery the day before, um, my birthday this year. Um, and so I'm, I've actually, I'm only on about, I'd say about six months since my recovery. Um, I still have some nerve pains, but just being able to now finally going back to the gym and everything like that. Um, and before my doctor retired, I asked him like, you know, like, Hey, if I have the surgery and, you know, even if I still have the nerve pains, you know, what, what would you think, you know, of my ability of getting back in the ring? And he just, he full on said, he's like, I won't be around. Like I'm going to be retired before then, you know, to potentially medically clear you, you know, but there is a chance, you know, you'd have a better chance. You're he's like, to nutshell, you're more than that 20% now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's really inspiring me. So I've, you know, like I was actually able to like, cause he told me that cause the surgery was going to happen. I talked to, um, I talked with the owner of PCW, Andrew Shalcross, and they were running a show out in Mundar. And he, he knew about, you know, he knew like he was one of the first people that knew about my, my diagnosis before I went public with it because you know, I wanted him to know, like, this is what I'm going through. So brace yourself, you know, type thing. And so he was like, if you want to just come out and hang out at the show, you know, like that would be fun. And I told him like, no, I want to, you know, like if I, I've been told I might be able to do something, I want to try it now. Yeah. And so instantly he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to try ref. And he's like, perfect. I need a ref. So I actually ref like the entire show. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't able to help out with the ring. Uh, but knowing that I could, I could ref actually gave me the confidence that after my surgery, even while I was still kind of not medically fully cleared, um, I was actually reached out to by 3d pro wrestling, mm -hmm. uh, to referee one of their shows. And it was only a half show. So I kind of knew I'm like, well, prior to the surgery, I could do a full show by myself. I know I can definitely do a half show. Yeah. Um, and then just, you know, getting more excited, like, you know, hearing about like, you know, who was going to be on the show just kind of gave me more of that drive to like, kind of really push myself in the gym. And unfortunately I had a setback prior to the show, but thankfully it didn't impede me from doing my abilities, you know, as a referee. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was a lot of fun to get back into the crowd in front of a crowd. And it was something I, I really never thought I'd ever do again. Um, yeah. That's kind of my career in, in, in one nutshell you get that little taste you know like 
the, you know, knowing that you can, you know, be able to ref again. And it, yep. it just, you get that hunger, the desire to get back to where you were and like you fully embrace it now, you know, getting back into the gym, getting that 3d pro show under your belt and just continuing progressing more and more being able to be a part of everything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then even in that mat, like in the main event, um, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, unfortunately, as a referee, I can't remember who it was. I can't remember if it was Stefan or Royce that I was just in arms range, but they decided to use me as kind of the cushion in the mm-hmm. corner. Um, and being able to like, you know, I could, I, I didn't die, you know, like I got squished and I was laying there and I'm like, Oh, did, like, you know, like it kind of like, it took me back. Like it hurt, but I'm like, Hey, like, I'm not trying like, you know, like I can, I'm not, I'm not going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to still be able to get out of bed tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a lot of people realize this afterwards is that after the match, when Stefan was um, uh, deciding to uh, partake uh, and being a sore loser um, mm-hmm. from Robbie Royce and deciding to beat him up in the corner and me being, you know, an impartial official, whether even if Robbie Royce would have done it and we've had our past, you know, where I've been on his side, I still would have gotten involved you know, and tried to stop him. Um, Stefan Epic throws me out of the corner and I end up cracking my head right on a steel chair. Um, yeah, had a nice, met the framing of it, hit it right up here. But again, like, like how you said, feeling that, and it's just like, can I do this again? Like, you know, like I'm not, I'm not dead. I don't want to get back up. Like when I hit that chair from, I was like, okay, I'm just going to lay in this corner. I don't care what anybody else is going to do now. Like I am just going to, I'm going to take a nap. I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, yep. I'm out. <laughs> Peace. Cause I don't want to like, I like it, it, it's a matter of my own health and safety right now of, I need to make sure that I can walk away from this. If I try to get more involved, I'm not walking away from this. So mm-hmm. let me just lay here and be in peace, please. Um, but it did give me more, more of a desire and hope to, you know, maybe one day, maybe get cleared. Um, still, still not there yet, unfortunately. Um, but maybe one day, you know, at least, mm-hmm. at least be able to have a match where I'm not, not where I'm not, where I'm able to walk out from it on my own terms. It, Cause it, that, that's the one thing I don't want. You almost want, you know, the match where you can end it, you know, on your own accord and not because it yep. has to be you know you want it to be like this is going to yes. be my last match you can go out do your thing and you get you know you have your flowers and you have your have your moment you know if if i were to be honest um you know i've been you know i've been lucky and blessed in in wrestling to do this not everybody you know not every child gets to live their dream and I'm still a big giant man child living his dream. Um, so if you get to live vicariously through me, great. But it, it's always been what I've seen, especially on you know any form of wrestling product that you see. You always see the the old veteran. You know it's time it's time to go. You know like and even if they transition into a manager or into the owner or just even into full on retirement, like they're just gonna right off into the sunset they always like to have that one last match against you know the youngest person on the card you know and some people you know it's that oh they you know like you want to put over the young gun on the way out yeah and to me i always thought of that like that and no i i actually contrary i disbelieve it i think that what that is is that that's the veteran trying to figure out, is this my last time? Because no offense, if I can go toe to toe with this young, this young kid, then it's not time for me to throw it in. But if I can't, then yeah, it is, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of that, you know, I don't know. Do I want, do I, I I really want that last match, but I don't think that my next match might necessarily be my last. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, it could be the, the, the door opening to a whole new, a whole new era of Chris Markswell. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, your entire career, what you've talked about has like, for me sitting here listening, I mean, I've just been like 
open eyes, ears, just like it's just brought in because a lot of this I didn't know. And I know a few weeks from now is the upcoming 3D Pro show, Mass Appeal. Yes. Are we going to see you in the ring there? Um, unfortunately, well, I mean, it is still two weeks away. Um, I'm not medically clear and I can't say, you know, like that tomorrow is, you know, the day when I'm going to get medically cleared. Cause you know, like I had a very invasive surgery, mm -hmm. um, and I have to pretty much rebuild my entire core system. Okay. So I'm, I'm working on that. Uh, I'm not even lift. Like when I go to the gym, it's all cardio and core. Yeah. Um, and usually it's a lot of cardio because I know that that's the thing that, you know, if I'm going to wrestle again, I don't want to be blown up in about two minutes. I want to be able to go the full distance, mm -hmm. um, whether my body can handle it. That's the other story. I want at least my lungs to be able to handle it. Um, so I don't know if I will be in the ring. I, I definitely will be there as a referee. Mm -hmm. Um, but as you know, competing, um, never say never. Um, but I, even myself, I would bet against, you know, I know that there's the open challenge for Robbie Royce mm -hmm. and you're probably thinking is Markswell about to finally face his mentor one-on-one. -on -one? I, I would maybe, if you're a betting man, put your money on somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, you could definitely hundred percent, you know, if you really want, you know, hundred percent guarantee, Will I be refing that match? 1000%. You know, it's Robbie Royce. He's, he's a legend. He's one of my mentors. Um, I will, I will gladly always try and rep one of his matches. Um, but as for ref wrestling, I, I don't, I don't think so. That's fair. And I mean, one of the things that when I first started doing this podcast was I wanted to make sure I covered everything from local stuff to be able yeah. to talk about, the big, you know, the main federations, all the pay-per-views and stuff like that. And I know leading up to this, we kind of talked about SummerSlam. Yes, we uh, did. We both watched it. And this yeah. was the first pay-per-view, New York pay-per-view I've watched fully since night one of WrestleMania in 2020. So it's been a bit of a, a stretch, but like overall, what was your your takeaway from it? I I was very impressed by it um from start to finish did i think it ran a little bit long absolutely but in other standards it ran short because i'm i'm kind of getting you i've gotten used to those four or five hour pay-per-views mm -hmm. so like i took my afternoon nap um <laughs> but there was not a match that i felt was out of place mm -hmm. um i felt you know where they were on the card um to me might have been predictable but the reason why it was predictable is because that was the spot that they should be, yeah. you know, watching Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair steal the show. Mm -hmm. um, not like, honestly, I don't think anybody out wrestled them for the rest of the night. Um, the, the, those two athletes went out there and looked at everyone that was in, you know, in gorilla and probably had a smile on their face and went, follow this. Mm -hmm. And then everybody had their shoulder, like, you know, like I can't. You know, we, we can't, you know, um, the only thing, you know, from there, and then you had, um, Usos versus the street profits. I I'm a huge sucker for any form of a tag match. Cause mm -hmm. it just, you know, there's so much dynamics that you can play with it. Uh, I really thought that there was going to be a ref bump involved just with how, uh, Montez Ford and Jeff Jarrett were starting to interact yeah. with each other. I was even noticing my, my wife pointed out that Jeff Jarrett's counts. She was like, he's counting really fast. And I'm like, it's weird when you saw him at the beginning, he was actually counting a little slow, but I think that, I don't know if he was doing that on purpose because Jeff Jarrett is, you know, you got to put some respect on the man's name. He's one of the best minds out there because he was able to thrive after leaving not only WWE, but after WCW closed down, mm -hmm. you know, we all know that Vince and him did not have the greatest history. And he told Jeff that he wasn't going to, be welcome there. So Jeff was like, all right, I'm going to go make my own promotion. So I'm wondering if he was specifically last night, uh, or I should say on Saturday at SummerSlam, that if he was specifically like mucking up his counts to show everybody, I'm a wrestler, not a referee. That's mm -hmm. why I'm not perfect, you know, and that, that helps build up the referees as well to show that like, this is a craft that you really have to like respect and hone in on and kind of like, you know, we study, you know, as wrestlers, we study tapes as a, when I started as a referee, I studied refereeing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the things that I was told was like, you know, like I asked like, well, which referee should I watch? And they said, if you notice the referee in the match, that's not the one to study. You find, you know, Mike Kyoto, Charles Robinson, you know, like they, unless there's a spot that they're involved in, they blend in to the background and let, mm-hmm. and let the wrestlers, you know, tell the story in the ring. If, you know, a rep is always there as the third party, you know, and a ref can always, you know, make or break a match as well. A bad count, a miscount, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm getting rambling right here. Uh, <laughs> SummerSlam, honestly, it by far, like how you said you had stopped watching WWE mm-hmm. for anybody out there. Th- if this is the clip that you want to take from it, if you stopped watching WWE, go back and watch SummerSlam. I'm not going to tell you anybody who won the match, um, or how it kind of went. I'm just telling you it was a great show. I was entertained from the very first bell to the till the fire till the fireworks ended the show. Watch it. You're you're gonna you're gonna really be enjoyed and might want to tune into Raw or SmackDown. It gave me the drive to, hey, I'm I'm looking forward to Monday now. You want to see what's next. Yeah. And that very honestly, for the last I, I'll be honest, I watched WrestleMania this year. Mm-hmm. Even after like WrestleMania was so well done and it was so exotic seeing Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kevin Owens. I was, you know, running around my apartment because I'm going, oh, my God, it's, you know, Kevin Owens versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. How is this possible? I I really feel I didn't watch. I didn't care about Raw the next night. I mm-hmm. got my fill where this has those progressive stories that really make you want to tune in. Um, and I think that they've hit the nail on the head of what a pay-per-view needed to be one of well there's a few things that i noticed off the bat the first was uh becky and bianca they had an incredible match and you notice mm-hmm. almost the difference and i mean a lot of it is you know getting the chance there these two are able to do it more often than you know yeah. say some of the wrestlers in AEW. but they it shows the different level that they're on than some of the top AEW wrestlers that that's what I noticed, you know, the post-match angle was incredible. You, you want to see where this is going. And I mean, I think everybody knows that Bailey is back and just to be able to hear, you know, ding dong, hello again, I'm all for that. So the fact that she's going to have some people with the ding dong, hello, how is that going to change it? You know, and everything like it's going to be a great dynamic. The, those three together that and I was blown away by what Logan Paul was able to do in the ring. It, yeah, Logan Paul. He, yep. I thought he looked incredible in there. Some of the moves he was able to present, uh, it really showed just how dedicated he is to wanting to wrestle, you know? And he's the kind of person that I could see them really wanting to sink their teeth in, pushing as a mainstream star and really having that big moment with him. I, I, I do agree. Athletically, it's, it's very impressive of what he can, what he is capable of doing. Um, there's, there's definitely, there's a few things I wish I could was good as him at doing. Mm-hmm. I'll not, I am not going to lie. Um, if they want to make him the big main event star and that big main event push, um, I don't like, I don't see him as like a, like, you know, beating Roman Reigns or anything like that, but winning, like winning like a niche continental or even like the United States championship or even the tag championship, I think would be a really good thing for him. Um, But I think the key thing for him to get there though, is they need to lean in that he is a natural heel. Mm -hmm. He, he even like he got the baby face pops and the way, the best way that I can describe it is, there's two ways I can describe kind of that feud. The reason why he's getting the baby face pops is the same reason why Kurt Angle got pops when he was a heel was because he's so damn good. Mm-hmm. You can't boo his athletic ability. You might hate him as a character, but you can't in ring despise him. Um, but one of the things that I think WWE should really lean into um, and it stems back from, I want to say 2002, uh, same time when Randy Orton uh, was turning babyface from Evolution and going up against Triple H. And they came to Canada and they did, I think it was a couple shows that air, like, I think they did like a Raw and a SmackDown. Like, I think one was in Toronto and then the other one was in Vancouver or something like that. But they, it was, they were building up that feud and us being Canadians and being very smart about wrestling 
we all knew Randy Orton's too young to be the heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. How come Triple H is just not beating the snot out of this young kid? And I remember that I remember kind of seeing that story kind of changing to, you know, Triple H becoming the baby face because of the fact that he's the proven veteran where the young guy gets to be that underdog kind of, you know, you can't root for me because I'm such still a rookie, but I'm going to be athletically strong to prove my point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that they kind of were going down that path with Miz and Logan Paul, but I don't know if they're going to still go down that path now. Mm-hmm. No, he is definitely a natural heel. And it's, uh, you really hope that that's something they, they do tap into more so instead of, I mean, if he wants to, you know, be presented as a good guy and that, like it's understandable, but you almost have to get someone to convince and be like, yeah. look, you're going to be able, you're here right now. If we present you as this, you're going to be up here, you know? So yeah. hopefully that they can get to that. Um, now, I always like to ask my guests for a match recommendation that they think the listener should go check out. So I'm going to ask what you think that everyone at home should go check out. Uh I, I'm a sucker because I'm Canadian. Uh, anything with Brett, uh, anything with Brett Hart is probably one of my go-tos. Um, but easily, hands down, uh, my most favorite match from him is uh, Brett Hart versus Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10. Um, just because of the fact that it's it's one of the matches that if nobody's ever seen wrestling, it's kind of it's a great introduction because of the fact that one, it really it has two it has two of the best all of all time in-ring performers Mm -hmm. performing the ultimate craft. Um, But then you can also, you know, you sprinkle in the dynamic of the younger brother, you know, in the shadow of the older brother. And, you know, like, I don't want to think, you know, I should be a star and everything like that. And, you know, older brothers trying to look out for him, like, well, you're going to get there, but you know, you're just not there yet. But he's thinking it's holding him back. It's just, there's so many, like, you could literally put probably like a brother, like two brothers or a brother and a sister or two sisters, any form of siblings combination down, as long as you have one older and one younger, and they're going to see that story and they can automatically kind of bite into it, like understanding, even as, you know, a single child as myself, you know, growing up, you know, like I could still even buy into that because I see that from, you know, when, you know, I'd be told from my parents, no, you can't do it. And it's like, well, why? And it's like, well, they know that's, you're going to get hurt from that. And yeah. it's like, well, no, I can handle it. It's like, well, no, you're not in, in two years. Yeah. You're going to be there, but right now you're not there. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of that, you know, it's just by all one of the best stories told in the ring outside of the ring. Um, and then, yeah, from there, you know, you can, you can go to, Anything else after Brett, you can go Brett and Shawn Michaels, Iron Man, you know, hour long Iron Man, you know, Brett Austin, WrestleMania 13 with double turn, uh, which is, you know, it's, I kind of go to that match. If I, if I know I have to recommend it to somebody who, you know, is a little more into the violence, Mm -hmm. you know, wants to see, you know, little, no rules. They want to see the blood, you know, they want to see some toughness. Well, all right, you're you're gonna see you're gonna see the toughest sob. That here you go. <laughs> so for anyone listening, where can they find you online if they aren't already following you? Uh, everything is at Chris Markswell um, uh, with an X, by the way, M A R X W E L L. Um, that's on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch. Uh, I haven't been uh, you know I'm not as active on my things as I was you know when I first got them, um, but that's because of the fact that you know. I didn't know social media as much. I'm learning it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's got, I've got some, I got some projects on the mind, um, you know, that I'm going to kind of start working on. Uh, oh, actually I also forgot YouTube as well. Again, you know, a couple of workout videos on there, but I've got some other ideas of what I want to do with that stuff. Um, Cause you know, there's, there's going to be a future for Chris Marks wall of what, what it's going to be like. I just don't know yet. Well, Chris, I'm excited to see what comes next. And thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Chris for joining me on the Great Maker Wrestling Podcast. I appreciate him joining me. Shoot him a follow on all of his uh, social medias and uh, look for him in the ring, whether it's refing at the uh, at an upcoming show or maybe making his return one day. You know, you never know. 
thank you to him. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time. I will always say it. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. Um, if it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GrainmakerPod. That's where I'm most active. Um, up on Instagram, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Same as Facebook. And up on all podcast streaming platforms. So Apple, Google, Spotify. And if you want to send me an email, GrainmakerPodcast at gmail.com. And I also have some very, very fashionable t-shirts for sale. You know, join the masses that already have one. Look fashionable this summer. You know, cut off the sleeves, wear it as a tank. Maybe you want to make it a crop top, you know, why not? But uh, grab a shirt, 25 bucks a piece. Half of the profits going to local nonprofit and uh, look good and support a good cause. I think that is all of the socials, all of that sort of fun stuff. So, uh... Thanks again for checking out the podcast and we'll talk soon.